What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Hopefully the sound is even better this week. I've adjusted some things, got a different mic. Hopefully things are be sweet. Uh, had a little bit of a uh, static issue on the last episode, which is probably... Uh, I need to get some, some things fixed, and hopefully I fixed it enough uh, with this one, but... Uh, to kind of uh, start off this, and, and you could tell from the title, I'm going to kind of go through a series of things that, as an as an old person, um, confuse me now. And one of those things is our definition of a chucker, um, and how I am not sure how the definition changed, what w- how we deem who chuckers are. Um, and, uh, why it's sort of the perception has changed. And I, and I do, I do think it kind of stems from Steph Curry, but I also think, uh, I'm going to blame, uh, a certain general manager who now, res- who now is part of the Eastern conference. But first, uh, before I continue with the rest, I'm going to kind of give you a rundown of what I'm going to do on CSG here in, uh, upcoming, uh, we are going to, I'm going to start doing this definition series and that's going to uh finish out the month of august um we're going to kind of talk about things that used to be one way or and then are not currently that way um i figured if i'm going to stay on brand i better be doing something like that um i think that that the very least and give you a perspective on how my brain works and i think that we can, uh, like it's going to be starting with checking and then I'm going to go into the definition of footwork, which is going to be centered around, uh, um, centers. And then I'm going to talk about the evolution of the small forward, um, which didn't used to be called wings. They used to just be called small forwards. Um, and, uh, I'm going to kind of, I'll figure out one more for to, to end up the week, but excuse me, end up the month. But um, where I've come down on is that I need to start kind of defining why, the way my brain works on these things. And I know some of you have uh, um, are probably confused with my old man brain, and I don't blame you. So uh, we're, we're going to kind of go through this. So, um, but to kind of go through this, um, when I was growing up. Um, you know the the term chucker i think has been around since the the 70s it's derogatory obviously chucker was basically someone who is threw up shots without conscience and a lot of them were bad or deemed bad um for example there were there were players that uh were also like shouldn't have been shooting who who were shooting a lot there's a lot of different ways you could approach the term chucker. And I think a lot of the the reasons that it changed was uh, the advent of advanced analytics and the, the moving of the definition of what a bad shot is. Um, what a bad shot is in 2022 was not the same as it was, say, in 1989, 90, throughout the 90s to the mid-2000s. Uh, that kind of adjusted. Now I'm not talking about three point shots here. Okay, uh, I am. I am 
I am going to give you my definition of what a chucker is. Um, Jordan Crawford, I think, probably fit in uh, very much into uh, the definition of, of the derogatory meaning of chucker. Um, as okay a player as Jordan Crawford was, he did take ill-advised shots. Uh, you could say J.R. Smith was a chucker. Um, there were, there's, and you think of their games and what they would do, and you know, look, it there is shooting without conscience, and then there is shooting to score. There's different mentalities, and it's and it's hard to look into someone's brain. So, in the first part of this podcast, I'm going to go over the old definition of chucker. And then in the second half, I'm going to give my theory of why it changed. Um, but the old school chuckers were uh, not three-point shooters. They were high-volume mid-range shooters. You could make a very convincing argument that Kobe Bryant was a chucker. Um, for example... Um, one of the things that opposing teams did to Kobe, and it played out in in broad detail in uh, the 2004 NBA Finals and the 2010 NBA Finals. One of them he lost, one of them he won. Game, I think it was Game Four of the of the 2004 Finals. Um, Kobe, Kobe was just, as I recall, just kept shooting and he kept taking terrible shots and it was it was it was very much and if you look at the definition of a chucker it's someone who just kept keeps throwing up shots like to and and sometimes to the detriment of a team and he did that in game four and the worst example of kobe doing this was game seven of the uh 2010 nba finals which somehow the 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 lakers won um, despite Kobe, I think shooting four of 27 or something like that. No, it was more than that. It was, uh, but, uh, it, it was, it was some, it was like, it was, he ended up shooting like 35 high thirties percent and he just kept shooting and shooting and shooting. And what teams knew and what doc rivers knew was if you just go Kobe into shooting, he'll, he'll do it. Um, luckily that game, Pau Gasol saved their ass. Um, and Pau really should have won the MVP for that for that game alone. But I digress. Um, that was Chucker. And uh, J.R. Smith, anyone who's watched J.R. Smith do it, uh, you knew that he was, it was just taking shots that you shouldn't shoot um, and uh, kind of doing it to the benefit of you and not the team. Um, it's not necessarily selfish, um, but it's someone who thinks that's the only way they can, you know, do it. That's the only, that's the only way that they can um, um, contribute to a team. Um, you could have, all you could argue Lou Williams still kind of fits into that category, but although he fell off of that train a couple of years ago, uh, Jamal Crawford, uh, hit with more efficiency, um, than that. Jordan Crawford never did. And Jordan Crawford was a, was a guy who was just going to get, Oh, Dion waiters, 100% chucker. That is, that is, uh, one of a late period chucker. Um, and, uh, guys like that, you know, in the nineties, it was different because everything went to the mid range and even in the eighties, everything went to the mid range. And it was like, you, you were 
running actions to get you something open on the elbow and all this stuff if you were a team that ran an offense but if you were a team that were did like the Denver Nuggets in the 80s you did a the a just it was it was the passing offense is what it called and uh if you had an open shot you would take it a uh, Doug Moe would get angry at you if you didn't take a shot um and that was a different kind of thing I I, I would never include any nuggets in that um you know, you could make an uh, argument that Nick Van Exel was a bit of a chucker. Um, I thought Van Exel had, had more skill than that, and he could was definitely a better passer than he ever got credit for. Um, but you could argue that he would go on these waves of ill-advised shots. So you could maybe put Van Exel in there. Um, but through most of the Nuggets history, until we get to J.R. Smith or even, you know, not Vashon Leonard. Vashon Leonard was too streaky to be considered a chucker. But there are just, there's just, there's just different kind. And I think you're trying to, at least I hope I'm trying to explain it well. You're getting an idea of what that was because it was deemed a bad shot. Say like, um, uh, someone who was shooting a lot, missing a lot and taking a lot of bad shots. So, um, I would say like Kobe did that. Kobe, <laughs> Kobe would do that. Um, but he scored a lot. He was extremely high volume shooter. Um, Carmelo Anthony, um, is, is interesting because Carmelo, now we have to go to this part. Do you, if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, well, Jeff, what is, what is my definition is different. Would Carmelo Anthony follow it, fall into that? Carmelo would miss a ton of shots, but a lot of Melo's misses were on layups. Believe it or not, truth, 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 truth in in what I'm talking about here. Um, Melo would often miss intentionally to get the offensive rebound. 100%. That is exactly what he would do. Um, and uh, he would do a lot of tips. He would tip his own shot. He would he would do do that sort of thing, and he would miss a lot of layups. Um, because Melo wasn't the most athletic player than never the nuggets had that was a star um uh, but was he a chucker was was mellow i don't think he became that way until he got to new york i'll be honest with you i think once mellow got to new york he started chucking threes okay and i think in in that sense mellow kind of molded himself into that but when he was with the nuggets i don't ever think of that way what about alan iverson here's another one you're maybe talking about iverson um you could definitely put Iverson into that category, but Iverson was just so dynamic that I, I don't think, I mean, I, when I think of a chucker, I think of someone who can like only shoot, right? Someone who can um, just, like always gets to, uh, gets to his long jumper shot and they will mid, they will generally not make more, more than 40% of these shots that that is in that kind of volume shooter. Um, Allen Iverson would shoot a lot, but he was hella da- dynamic, hella dynamic, and uh, that was that was a different, at least in my view, that was a different thing. That was a different uh, kettle of fish because um, now it wasn't tremendous. And in fact, those uh, Philly teams that were so good were really bit catered around him shooting a lot like that, you know. And um, Eric Snow, McKee, um, Matumbo there not to take any shots. You know, basically, uh, since Iverson did what he did, 
you kind of the the seventy sixers kind of catered around that. You know, when when Iverson got to Denver, uh, he wasn't quite as score happy, even though he averaged, I think, his first season here, he averaged about twenty six, I think, and uh, it was definitely um, you know not what it was in in Philly, <clears throat> but he he would do this. He would he would you would create this vortex of shooting, but I would not just mentally, and maybe it's my own mental gymnastics. I would never consider Iverson a chucker. Um, Iverson was a, was a scorer, a prolific scorer. And in that way, maybe he was that similar to Mello, which is why the combination didn't really work here in Denver. Um, you never know, but that, that was kind of it. So if you're going to look back and, I, and anyone who's listening to this, you're going to look, um, I want you to go back through your memory. Anyone who was a longtime NBA fan, Go back and think about who who you who would fall into a definition of chucker. Um, what what would what would that be? Um, what would your definition of chucker be? Because um, they, those are the players through history that I kind of have have got it in my brain that were like that. There were players uh, in the eighties uh, who were like that as well. Um, you know, believe it or not, Walt Davis was a bit of a chucker before he got to Denver. Uh, in Phoenix, he was a bit of a mid-range chucker. Um, Alex English wasn't. Um, Alex English was a volume scorer, but he, I, I, to me, he was too close to the basket to be considered a chucker. So, so we're going to go with this way. So maybe it's jumpers, high volume, under, say, we're going to be in the range of 40 to 35% shooter. And uh, uh, someone who like takes the, all these shots, even though they are missing the majority of them, you know, there's that old saying: you, you can't, you you can shoot your way out of a slump. Yeah, but sometimes it hurts the team, and you know, there's that balance and all that stuff. So maybe maybe that's the definition I'm going with here, uh, because I'm working through this as myself. Because uh, in, in the second part, I'll I'll get into why we no longer see that scenario. So. Anyway, why don't why don't we take a break? And on the other side of the break, I will talk about why we no longer see the definition, quote unquote, of chuckers, and why we probably still have them. It's just that we don't care about it anymore. So we'll be talking about that right after the break. I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. You can go in now. You can get yourself some of that uh, that Pinot that they got. They've got some of the Blake Street blend. Um, I tend to lean towards red wines, but the, um, from what I'm told, their white wines are just as good. So if you're into white wines... Uh, and it's summer, so it's probably the best time to have white wines. Go down and get some. They got Rieslings, too, from um, Western Slope of Colorado. In fact, they got a whole bunch of varieties at in the dairy block of uh, of uh, different Western Slope wines and, and uh, things that I think really you would enjoy. It's really my favorite place in Denver, and I've been telling you about them for the last three years. I do not get paid to do this sponsorship. I just read about them because I like them. Um, if you go to bfwdenver.com, you can pick yourself up a bottle, you know, for delivery, shipment, uh, curbside pickup, um, uh, or you can get some of their swag there. Um, and you could find out about their California tasting room, which is, uh, just as good as the one in the dairy block. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwdenver.com. They are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast. Podcast center there.
Okay, now that we're we're kind of going into why why chokers don't exist anymore, I think it's a combination of two things. Um, specialization in the NBA has uh, all but eliminated the good players, and by the good, I mean the the, the players that are that are good at everything. You know, they're not excellent at one thing; they're good at everything. Uh, those players tended to make up the bulk of NBA rosters, to believe it or not. Uh, and now there's a lot of players who are who serve roles, but specialization has kind of has kind of partitioned out a lot of different things. And the and, and in the past, a lot of players that weren't necessarily good enough to be superstars would be the ones that would fall into the chucker role. Um, and these are the ones that weren't, you know, you would look at and you say, this person is not good enough to be doing this sort of thing. Um, like I said, a late era person example of this would be Dion Waiters. Um, but on the flip side, uh, analytics has kind of focused in on what is considered to be a good shot. And with, with people determining that you should be shooting uh, threes at volume if you're a team, the shots that were necess- that, that were bad back in 1990 um, <clears throat> are no longer considered to be bad. And in fact, um, those are lauded. So, say, like, for example, if a player like Steph Curry pulls up from 30 feet, um, he can hit that, or Trey Young, um, or uh, Luka Doncic, or uh, any of these players that pull up from long, long, long out. You know, in 19, even as early as, um, uh, as you know, as recent, I should say, as to, to the 2010s, early 2010s, you, you, that person would be loudly mocked and derided for chucking a shot. That is no longer the case. Um, the emphasis on spacing, which goes into it, has uh, eliminated much of the resistance to that kind of shot, right? No longer are people considered to be taking poor shots if they are pulling up from that distance. Uh, on the Nuggets roster, you got Bones Highland who does that sort of thing. Someone has said that Mike uh, uh, Michael Porter Jr. is a is a chucker, and I, I vehemently disagree with that. Um, Mike will sometimes take a bad, ill ill advised shot, but he's not a chucker because he hits at such an efficient volume that it it's not a bad shot. You, this this has to be someone who hits at a low percentage and yet keeps shooting, right? And really what's happened since the NBA has focused on specialization rather than just overall good, um, which isn't, I mean, I'm not drawing a criticism here. That's just the way the league has evolved. Um, it has largely eliminated much of that. Um, you don't see guys like that filter their way through the league. And if you do, um, they're either subjugated to the, a bench role or they are um, quickly weeded out of the league. Um even college doesn't focus on that sort of thing anymore. It's not the, it's not the same as it used to be. They, the, the analytics have fundamentally changed the way people think about the way you should shoot, both in what is a good or bad shot and in a uh, um, kind of doing, doing the business of filtering out certain types of players. Um, much in the same way you won't find uh, goons anymore on NBA squads. 
basically players who are deemed not uh, necessarily talented enough, but had a specialization in, in uh, you know, physicaling up people. Um, people always bring up Anthony Mason with that, and I disagree completely. Anthony Mason was a great dribbler and a good passer. And yes, he was physical. Yes, he did some things that weren't necessarily something that I would encourage people to do. Um, Anthony Mason was a skilled ball handler and a great passer with a pretty good short-range game. And uh, so that that part of it is is is, is unfair. Um, but that part has been filtered out of the league too. So you want it's focused in almost completely due to primarily the way the rules have been changed um, and the advent of analytics. It's just specialization now. If you can't do a certain specific thing really good, then you're not necessarily going to survive in the National Basketball Association uh, because you need to be able to do that one thing very well rather than just being a overall good player. So... With that being said, you can't. I can't think of any player that necessarily that would be considered a trucker anymore, um, because those players, uh, even if they did exist, not necess- they wouldn't necessarily be uh, considered to be that because they uh, the NBA is so all consumed with spacing right now, which has always been that way. That's kind of unfair. The, the NBA um, in the past. Actually, even you could say before the three-point line, it was even worse, but um, was consumed with finding enough space. That's really what the game was about. The game was about creating enough space in order to get the easiest basket possible. Uh, Even after the three-point line came in in 1981, I think is the first year, um, it, uh, 80, 80, um, it took a 20 years for it to be used adequately as a weapon. Um, but as things have progressed, it has shifted almost completely out to as much maximal spacing as possible. So people who were taking quote unquote bad shots before, well, now maybe not, uh, you're not necessarily discouraged from that sort of thing because it creates space. You have to draw your defender out to, out to you. And a lot of that is, even if they're, um, you know, I'm not saying that a bad shooter, uh, and necessarily someone's going to be respected, but the whole pursuit is bringing people out. It's bringing people out as far and out to the pre uh, to the three point line as you possibly can, um, and that's the way the NBA functions as a league right now. A lot of that has to do with the analytics. Part a lot of that has to do with the nature of the player that is in the league right now, which is a heavily guard dominated, very perimeter oriented league. Um, even with Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid and, um, you know, people like that in the league, it's still a perimeter, perimeter dominated league. And that part is just, it's hard to, to overcome that. So if in that sense, people who take questionable shots, maybe that's not so bad anymore. Maybe, maybe people don't think it's that bad of a thing. And in that scenario, then people are going to look at it and say, okay, there's a, there's the, the old definition of chucker is not there anymore, and chuckers don't exist. And maybe people take a lot of volume shots, but it doesn't necessarily matter. They're not, they're not a chucker. So it's very, very interesting. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not drawing a moral judgment on it. I'm trying to give a more of a historical look at it and, and maybe tell you why things evolved the way they did. 
So anyway, we'll be continuing this series next week um, with kind of the uh, the evolution of footwork is related, relates to the center. Uh, I think that'll be an interesting conversation. And to tell you how uh, basically uh, the lost art of post play had a lot more to do with footwork than it had to do with banging down low. So anyway, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'll be back soon with another episode. Goodbye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.